everyone. Uh, welcome back to Software Social. I am so excited to have a longtime listener, first-time caller with us today uh, to talk about the projects he has going on. Um, you've probably come across him on Twitter, Vic Vijayakumar. Thank you so much for coming on Software Social today. I'm so excited for this. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Been looking forward to this. <laughs> so me too. So we actually we talked like a year ago, right? Because you were one of the interviews I did for my book. And we talked a little bit about how you I guess for some context, I guess we should we should set this. So you have a full time job. That's is that right? That's right. I am a staff engineer at Eventbrite. Awesome. You also have a side project called Every Oak, which is like software for preschools. Is that right? Yeah, I. it's a preschool that my kids go to, went to, one goes to. <laughs> I help them with their <laughs> admissions and stuff. And now you're managing software for them forever. Exactly. There's no getting away from this. <laughs> like the worst pta make ever yeah exactly i'm the f i'm forever like the the computer knowing parent you know <laughs> oh gosh okay well so help them with their emails oh anything? do you set up their wi-fi too like thankfully no but you know it's it's only a short call away anytime <laughs> um so then you also recently started building another SaaS in public called hey texting which I understand is like a shared inbox for SMS text. Like if you're texting with customers and stuff, is that right? Yeah. Front, but for text messages. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, that, that's basically it. That's my, that's going to be my elevator pitch now. Okay. So what led to that? Like why? The, we're not talking about the preschool anymore, right? We're talking about hey texting. No, no, it feels it feels pretty clear that you got roped into like being the IT person for your preschool, and like <laughs> it was like, you know, this can be a thing. Like I can do this, and yeah, let's talk about hey texting. Sure. So uh, <laughs> this actually ties back to the preschool. <laughs> oh no, were they sending you so many text messages that you're like, I have to have a way to manage this? Yeah, because you know schools <laughs> do this thing, right, where they're like, you know, give us one number. And they will text that number and say, carpool is going to take a long time today. Or, you know, today the bus is going to be late or there's no bus route. Come pick up your kids is a thing they will do. But they will message, you know, one person and that person's out getting a haircut or something. And so this started to get really annoying. And so I was like, I mean, surely there's got to be a way where you just have, you know, one. It's kind of like a like an email address that goes to multiple people. I wanted a, a, a text, you know, a oh, cell like phone a number Google that forwarded. Exactly. Were they sending the text message like to the room parent, for example? I mean, like, so people who don't have kids, never mind kids in the US, are going to be like, what the heck are they talking about? But like, <laughs> there's usually like one parent in the class who is the like representative of the parents and also has to, you know, like organize the Halloween party and everything for the class. Would they like text that person that there was a school bus delay or was it like they text one of the parents, but you actually need both parents? Yeah, they text one of the parents. One of the parents in the yeah. class or like one of the parents for each child? One of the parents for each child. So basically they have like a contact email and a contact phone number for each parent, for yeah. each child. Yeah. And so the email address one is simple. I just give them a shared email address that we have that forwards to both of us. Great. You know, so now we get to see when the, you know, when the bake sales are happening or whatever. But then they text one of us. I mean, and we, I mean, I like to be as involved in you know my kids lives as possible so i will you know i do drop off and stuff often but it's like they just text my wife will be uh you know away so then 
I was like, you know what? They, they used to be a thing for this, weirdly enough. It used to be called Grand Central, and then Google bought it and turned it into Google Voice and then sort of abandoned it. Um, it might even still be there. I don't know. So I made this thing that originally was just like used the Twilio API, and you could text it and it would forward the text to both parents. And then we were like, but what if we need to text back? Because they use an app on their side, which texts us, and sometimes we need to reply back to the teachers that says, we got this message, we will come get our kid. And so I figured, okay, I'll, you know, I guess I'll build an interface for us to be able to write back to them. And then next thing you know, I have, you know, a web app basically that is doing real-time processing of text messages going in and out using webhooks. And I'm like, well, I may as well at this point just add Stripe in an authentication system. And, <laughs> and you know, and next thing you know, you have, hey, texting. So do you have customers at this point? I do not. I am the only customer. Well, actually, <laughs> this is funny. Uh, I tweeted about this last night, but I went to a conference last week and I was sitting next to someone and he said something like, what have you been working on or whatever? And I said, hey, I just launched this microsoft call, hey, texting. And he went to it and he said, this is exactly what I need. I'm going to sign up for it right now. And then I felt a whole lot of pressure. I felt a whole lot of guilt that he felt pressure into signing up for it. So I said, no, don't do that. It, don't pay for it. It's, it's a beta product. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Please don't. No. <laughs> then, yeah, don't do it. And then it's like, ah, oh, why did I do that? And, but you know, is it, and I said, you know what? I, I would love for you to use this, but I'm just going to give you just like a free, you know, Stripe coupon or whatever. So you can use it and, you know, give me feedback. And then I, I tweeted about this whole thing. And then I've had, Several people sign up this morning. Oh, uh, they're not paying members yet. And all right, it's like it's weird building in public, marketing in public, tweeting in public about a thing. But even when you tweet your failures, people go, Oh, why did you do that? That was a terrible thing. Uh, also, they sign up. <laughs> so I've had multiple <laughs> people sign up, you know, in the last actually, I would say 15 minutes ago before the, we're recording this podcast. And I haven't figured out yet if they're. They're paying for it. It's not a freemium product. You have to pay for it to be able to use it because it costs me money when people use it. Right. Oh, because you're using a Twilio API. So each text message is costing you. Yeah. Exactly. So I've had two other people sign up this morning and I need to just make sure what's going on with that. I just get BCC'd when they get their welcome emails. So that's why I know they signed up. <laughs> Well, okay, so there we have it. You know what? We said we're not a podcast you come to for, you know, your annual top 10 tips on SaaS marketing. But here you are. <laughs> there is a concrete SaaS marketing tip right there. Show people your product. Don't let them sign up. If they do somehow still sign up, <laughs> tell them it's terrible. And then if they offer to pay you, don't let them. Three exactly. highly actionable things. Basically, reverse psychology, right? Like, I have this product. And now you can't sign up for it. But like, <laughs> yeah, this is just going to get people to do more and more of it. Don't exactly. sign up for Vic's service. Seriously, if you're listening, <laughs> just, just don't just stop. Don't even think about it. Um, I mean, I feel like that's also so relatable is like you spend all this time building something and you're like, oh, my God, is anyone going to buy it? Am I spending all this time for nothing? Like, and even something you like needed yourself, you're kind of like, oh, but I've done all this work to do Stripe and, you know, user administration, all this kind of stuff. And then someone actually signs up and you're like, no, it's awful. Don't like it's terrible. Don't do that. <laughs> like, why would you do that? What is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, I thought it was a huge leap for me to you know, push it to production. And, you know, I did tweet about that. And then, you know, no one signed up. And I was very glad that they didn't sign up. <laughs> <laughs> because 
Because I was like, you know, there's weird issues here. You know, it doesn't do like you have to hit refresh when you go to it because it doesn't automatically show new text messages as they show up. I'm so glad they're not signing up. And then when someone actually wanted to give me money, I'm like, no, don't do it. It's not ready yet. <laughs> Put that wallet down. Yeah. Uh, it's so, you know, it reminds me of like when we launched Geocodio, like we were like, N- nobody's going to pay for this. This is terrible. And we were so surprised that anyone wanted to pay for it that like we had Stripe set up, but we hadn't actually written the code to tell Stripe to charge people by the time the day, like, cause we were doing it once a month charges and we're like, oh, we told people we we're going to charge them today, but we didn't ha- expect to have anyone to charge. And like, crap, we need to like write this code right now and charge them before the day is out. And it was. It's weird. <laughs> the anxieties you discover when something is about to happen. I would have told you that, yeah, of course, I want people to sign up for this. I want people to give me money. And then when this person was about to do it. I got really anxious. They were going to discover the bugs that I've just tolerated that I was fine with, but I didn't want them to find them. Yeah. It's almost like you're going to get like called out for it, I guess. Right. Like, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And someone replied to this tweet saying, you know, don't you should just let them sign up. And if they hate it, refund them their money or it's entirely possible they actually like it. Like, hmm. Okay. That's a that's a way of looking at things that they might like it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I almost feel like, you know, so I know this is a thing for people with ADHD. They call it rejection sensitive dysphoria, which is like this sort of, um, yeah, this kind of like overwhelming fear basically of rejection and criticism. I think for, for people who are neurodivergent, like we're just... So used to be criticized as kids and, you know, be like, pay attention, sit still, like, don't do that. Don't do that. Why are you bouncing off of the walls? We're like just constantly criticized that I think in especially like as it comes to like business, we're like, you know, it's it's like, oh, no, it's not good enough yet. I'm going to get criticized again. It doesn't have every feature yet. You can't pay for it yet. It's not good enough. Right. Because like we have this just speaking for myself personally, like we have this deeply rooted feeling of things not being good enough. Right. And then like overcoming that and like realizing like somebody can pay for something even when I don't think it's good enough or I don't think it's feature complete is okay. Like we didn't have the ability for someone to reset their own password for like six months after we launched. Like, like there's all these like, don't yet. Yeah. There's all these like basic things or about how it might work that we feel like we have to have. We throw those barriers in front of us because we don't want that like feeling of rejection. So a uh, funny thing there. So Everyoke, which is my other thing that is like actually used and like by hundreds of parents who are very happy and they never write to me to tell me that anything's wrong with it. It still doesn't have a change password feature. It just doesn't exist because I kept kicking that king down the road because it's like, I don't want to deal with this right now. I'm just going to launch. It still doesn't have a change password feature. A fun thing I discovered with that was that I was just kind of looking at postmark email sent. And I would notice that during, you know, sort of, I know we're still in a pandemic, but really in the like six months ago, when the school used to require status checks for everybody, every kid that got dropped off, you'd have to open up the website and you'd have to fill out this form that said, you know, they don't have a fever, blah, blah, they don't have, you know, they're not vomiting or anything like that you have to fill out this form and you have to log in so we knew who your kid was and i would notice that roughly at carpool time there was always a huge spike of emails that went out 
And I was like, that's really weird. You're not emailing anybody. Why is this happening? Right. And I went in and looked at all these emails and parents had found a really weird way of using the site, which is that they no one remembered their password and they had probably, I don't know, probably set a random password. They couldn't reset it, but they never wrote to me. So what they would do is at carpool, they would ask for a magic link to log into the site. And then they would use the magic link to go in and fill out the form. And then they would just do it again the next day. And so I had, we were sending just hundreds of emails every morning, just just people using the magic link feature. And they probably thought of this as a feature, not a bug. Right. Because they don't have to remember a password. It's passwordless login. (laughs) The things that we think are like incomplete features are probably things that other people think are complete features. Right. Yeah, I guess because there's like some services where you like, I think for some of my Notion accounts, I don't have a password. I never know which ones. Like, So you did build a magic link thing. I did. But like really, but like this basic thing, like resetting a password or changing your username or, you know, like in our case, when we launched Geocodio, actually placing the point on someone's house. Like we didn't actually do that. You know, it was in the middle of the street in front of their house at best. So it's. I'm curious when you look at hey texting and you're like, this isn't good enough for anyone to sign up for it yet. You know, I've got the equivalent of like my dirty laundry strewn all over the floor and there's a broken window. What are those things that you feel like if you fix them, you would deserve to be like paid for it? Let's see. I've had a few people actually not text me. They've been DMing me on Twitter to say, hey, this is really cool. Is there a plan for X and those features so far are I would love a I mean and here's the thing right these are missing features they see but there's all the secret missing features that I have in my head that I know don't work right yeah so for example there is currently no and I just thought about this there's currently no self-service way to buy a phone number and I just realized that so you know they sign up on the website and I currently just assign them a phone number the minute they pay I just assign them a random phone number and there's no way for them to look for a vanity number or anything like that. And most people are probably fine with that. Yeah, they're probably totally fine with it. Someone told me that they would love to be able to have an address book on the site that they could import their contacts into. Instead of right now, you just you have to type in a whole phone number. And similarly, when a message comes in, it tells you what the number is. It doesn't tell you who the person is. Okay. So I said, I was like, okay, that's a cool feature. That's something that I use. I just remember everyone's phone numbers. So it's not something I currently actively need, but that's a cool feature. And then I spoke to a friend yesterday who I, you know, I was telling him, oh, that thing that I was working on is finally live. And he said, oh, can I have a feature um, where I can push a button on my stream deck and it will send an annoying text message to my wife? (laughs) I said, okay. Why does he need why does he need to do that? I, I don't want to ask questions about the exact place of their marriage, but it sounds like I was like, so it sounds like you would like API access so that you could you would you could like to send a text message to someone. It's like, OK, I mean, that's like that's like a real customer energy <laughs> interview like jujitsu right there. Like someone says, I want to be able to send my wife an annoying text message and you, you can rephrase that not as. So it sounds like you need counseling. And instead you go, so it sounds like you want API access, right? But that's kind of the underlying need there, right? Like he wants to build his own little thing on top of it, which is API access. 
yeah i was like okay so that's you know you have a stream deck you want to push a button and i know that it's gonna make possibly make a curl call okay i guess i can create an api for it which is actually two people now who have said i would love to have api access to this so we don't even have to use your ui and i'm like okay that's that's nice because i just spent all this time building this really beautiful user interface that no one cares about they just want <laughs> underlying access to be able to send and receive messages that's nice isn't that great when you spend time on something and then you're like it's so pretty too yeah it, it mimics the iMessage interface on you know if you have an iphone it the beautiful bubbles no one cares they're like cool can i use curl to send messages like, okay <laughs> so what, what is the other stuff that's like in the back of your head is the secret missing stuff that nobody has actually noticed what else? I mean, we talked about, you know, inability to change passwords. That's okay, I guess. But has someone asked you to change their password? No. I mean, no. There's like two or three users, right? And no one has asked to change their passwords. And they, they're they both using login with Twitter. So they don't even care. Okay. So like you say that you don't have password reset, but you have provided other ways in your services to access right. it without resetting your password. Because like, honestly, no one actually wants to or really can remember a password i mean in this day and age like we're all two-factoring into stuff and everything so if you can use login through twitter login through github google whatever like you know there's risks involved with that if that goes down which has happened but like that seems actually a pretty reasonable approach on your yeah, side so that you didn't so. have to build you know user management and and reset and stuff like that okay i like how you reframe this as a feature yeah okay it was a smart decision on your part not an oversight that is what i will put in the oh i don't have a privacy policy or uh, any of that my legal pages do not exist which is a which is a thing i need to fix i should probably just copy over what i have on every oak which themselves were a fork of what you know automatic the wordpress people have um oh they have like an open source repo where they say here take this yeah that's what we did too yeah, replace it. Just find <laughs> replace all the places where it says WordPress and automatic with your thing. So that doesn't exist. And I feel like that is a is not a feature, but it's definitely a a blocker for adoption, right? Yeah. I mean, especially with text messages, I wonder if you need to have some language around like anti-spam laws and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And especially if you're using it with schools, is like what is it called? Is FACTA the, or what is the student privacy? It's like GDPR know. for students that already exists in the UAS. I think it's FACTA, isn't it? That's something else. I mean, um, I want to say FAFSA, but that's, that's. No, ones. that's not FAFSA. It's, it's some <laughs> other government acronym, but it's something with an F hmm. for like student privacy compliance factor is fair and accurate credit transactions act yeah this is something that i have as an expat i have to deal with so that's why it's on the top of ah. my head um no it's something else okay well let's this turn into the michelle and vic try to remember government acronyms podcast. <laughs> that's just I, i'll have to send it to you afterwards um yeah i think that's probably worth putting some time into because you just want to make sure that you're you know you might need people to like check Compliance. a box yeah, you're compliant. Exactly. It says like, I, you know, these people, I have permission to send text messages to these people. Yeah. So I want to definitely get those done. I'll probably have those done soonish since people are signing up. Check yourself too. Yeah. And I want, you know, I bet you someone, no one has asked for it yet, but someone's going to say, I want to be able to import and export things from CSV. It's almost always the first request people make. 
which is not crucial. So I would say probably address book and the ability to self-serve purchase a number. Has anyone asked to purchase a number, though? No. Okay. So maybe that that should be on like the later list. Let's see if anyone asks for it. Yeah, post someone paying for it. Yeah, post somebody asking for we're, it. We're doing product management here, and I like it. Sorry, it's it. You know, PMing is my default. It's honestly, that's honestly <laughs> it. I mean, so okay, it's like a terms of use, right? A terms of use and a mm-hmm. privacy policy, making sure that people are not spamming people with children's phone numbers that they've illegally reco- like acquired. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be important. And I mean, you said people have asked about API access, which is interesting. So I would put that above buying your own phone number as a, as a thing to explore, right? I, I But I would personally put the privacy policies first. Yeah, privacy policies are probably So you don't get sued. First. Yeah, right, right above everything else. And then the API access, Yeah, since that's an actual ask. And the being able to purchase and search for phone numbers is not something anyone has actually asked. It's just something that I think they want. And so I should not do it. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. I, I like how we have... Um, done my PMing here and I've written those down. Uh, is there anything else that you feel like it's missing that you would need in order for someone to pay for it? No. In fact, you can pay for it. Stripe stuff already works. Well, but will you let someone pay for it? Mm. Yes. I will let people pay for it if I have a legal policy. Yeah. I mean, I think Stripe might even. I don't know if they require that or they like. They do. They do require. Yeah. And I link them to a page that doesn't exist yet. (laughs) Oops. Yeah. So I should take care of that right away. So in this trial you've given people, is that like a one month thing or is that unlimited or? It's just one month thing. Um, figure if they want to keep using it, they can let me know. And it's, and it's just a way for me to kind of like put a cap on, you know, the amount of, I don't know, gratuitous texting they can do, I guess. Did you already figure out the pricing for it? Yeah, I did. You know, there's a lot of competition in this market, so it's, it's good, right? There's a market. This already exists. Yeah, there's a market. It already exists. So I looked at what their pricing costs and I also looked at what, you know, Twilio charges me And I kind of like roughly multiplied it by, you know, the number. There's an allowance because it's a product that uses as an API. I kind of have to do that math on like, what is it going to cost me? So Mm -hmm. I kind of math that and then multiplied it by 1.5 or something. Mm -hmm. So it's probably not the best pricing, but. But this is what I've ended up with. So are they charged then on a transactional basis or do they get like. 20 text messages a month for five dollars or whatever that's exactly it so it's something like you know i have to actually go look at my pricing but it's something like you can do either one time or you can do a monthly subscription sort of thing and if you did a one-time plan you could pay me five dollars and get 250 text messages or you could pay you know 15 dollars a month and get a thousand text messages and uh you could pay 50 dollars a month and you can get you know 2,000 text messages and five phone numbers. Yeah. Interesting. So so I want to go back to something. So you mentioned earlier when I asked you what this is, that it is a shared inbox for texting with customers. And the use cases you have described to me are first you and your wife having a way to 
jointly receive messages from the school and reply to them. And Mm -hmm. your friend, for unclear reasons that we will not dig into, um, (laughs) annoying Annoying his his wife. Why are other people wanting to sign up for it? Ah, so I don't. It's okay. So I looked for services where parents would share an inbox and it doesn't exist. And I don't know that. I think that's one of those things that parents are happy to. I mean, it's annoying, but they don't want to necessarily solve it with money. Mm -hmm. But when I started looking for shared inboxes, the thing that kept coming up over and over was businesses that want to do text message marketing and therefore need to use a shared inbox for Mm -hmm. the people that, you know, that are doing the customer support. And so I'm a. I'm on the user side of that where I get a lot of text messages. So actually during the recording of this podcast, I just got text messages alerts that my local farmer's market produce box just got delivered outside our house. It's okay. My wife will pick that up and I can write back. I can text back and the person who's currently doing the route will write back to us. And I know that's not her personal cell phone number probably because she's also called from that before. So then a market actually exists for this. And I figured it was better to, you know, try to compete in that market where I don't need to educate anybody on, on what this is Mm -hmm. instead of trying to find, trying to educate parents on needing to have a shared phone number. Right. So that made more sense to me, even though I'm going to be using it. So, but for people like me and hobbies who want to annoy their wife, there's the really cheap, much more limited plan, but you could also do just like a one-time payment and just not have to, you know, get into a subscription that you don't want. So I'm going to ask you a very blunt question that might sound uh, mean, but it's not intended that way. Why would somebody sign up with your service rather than something that already exists? That is a solid question. And I have wondered that. That's why I'm building it on the side. It's not something that I intend to make money off of right now. And so I'm using this as a way for me to play with and build features on. And I'm already a user, right? Uh, I am a little bit competing on price because it's a much better price product. And I'm doing things like API access to try to kind of target the niche of developers who want to use something like this, but they don't get API access for as inexpensive as this is. Uh, I don't know why else. So that's interesting. You just told me you're not trying to make money off of it. But first of all, you're spending money and time on it. And I feel like with this kind of thing, you either have to make a decision of do you want to make money on it or do you want to spend money on it? And it sounds like you have actually decided you want to make money. You have Stripe integrated. You have pricing plans all set up. You did your research on the competitors. You just gave me two reasons why somebody would use this because it's cheaper and more developer friendly at the price point than other options. And yet you told me that you don't want to make money on it and downplayed it, which I find very interesting. <laughs> That's because I went into uh, not trying to uh, feel rejection <laughs> mode <laughs> by being okay with rejection. Uh I don't yet know the exact niche I'm targeting, right? Is that how you say that word? Niche, niche, niche. niche. Yeah, but I think it's niche. Is, yeah, people know what you're talking about. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I still haven't figured out that exact niche, right? It's, uh, I mean, is it 
shared text messaging for people that are delivering produce or is it shared text messaging for schools? So I, I said to you earlier that, you know, this is a little bit stemming from the text messages we're getting from our school. And the other thing is I was also going to go back to the preschool our one of our kids still is in and do it as an add-on for every yoke. Um, I have been letting that school use it a little bit that way. Uh, they don't use the the interface and the new product that I built, but they can actually send a text message to a list of parents and the message does go out. So I was going to try to talk to them about it. And I know they use some sort of weird commercial Verizon product or something like that that recently raised their rates. So I have kind of a, I don't want to say I have an in there, but I was going to talk to other preschools about you know all the texting they do. But I don't know if like that's necessarily the market I want to target. Is this texting for people who run preschools? It seems really specific. I think in the early days of a company or a SaaS, if you are building something in a market that is already validated, right? Like you're not the first person who is building a shared inbox texting service, right? Like you know that market has been validated. Your niche is people who are willing to pay you. I think that's as much as you need to focus on at this point is simply, are there people who are willing to pay you? Serve them for the beginning. And then like, I don't think I knew what our niches were for Geocodio for at least two or three years or even like really had a sense of them. It was just like, holy crap, these people are willing to pay us. Like, amazing. Let's make sure the servers stay on and like, you know, and we stay ahead of it, right? Like, but we didn't focus on stuff like really, really deeply understanding those niches at all because it was just like, is this even a viable business that's worth spending our time on? And, you know, if you were running ads behind it, I think that's a different story, but you're not, uh, right? Because then you need to know some more information about industries and stuff like that. But I think there's also kind of this this interesting opportunity for you there, which you said you you don't want to sell to people who don't know that they need it, which is you know, a great approach. It's so much easier to sell something to someone when they already know that they need it. They're already looking for alternatives to this random expensive Verizon product, right? But so being a, an API integration that just plugs into somebody else's product that they're selling and then when their product does well, then they use your product more. That's a great place to be in. Like you said, parents don't know that they have this problem. And I think that's a sometimes a really big challenge with B2C products, but instead you go, you have a little B2C sleeve for people to play around with and for some reason annoy their spouses. But, you know, maybe more of that, maybe there's like a B2B direction here that is, I mean, like B2C is a valid path, but B2B sometimes is just so much easier because there's so much less convincing. Except for when you have to sit in a room with the lawyers and go over lines of your privacy policy, which I've had to do before for Aereo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, it, you know, you that can also fun. like I think we didn't even really negotiate with anyone. I mean, for you know, this is just my experience alone. Right. But for like two years in, really, like we never had to deal with lawyers for a long time. If you're dealing with companies that'll give their developer a credit card for something and, you know, just accept your terms of use, there's plenty of those companies out there. You don't have to go straight to you know, enterprise and lawyers and everything like that. There's definitely a lot of companies out there that will just, you know, accept the default terms and pay with a credit card. Uh, the $5 
like one time payment thing I have, I think that is probably the B to C plan. Yeah. I'm not leaning too much into this, but you know, you could, this could be the, oh, do you need a phone number to, you know, text people on Craigslist or whatever? You know, you can pay $5 and not even need to own a cell phone, right? So that's mm-hmm. totally a thing you could do. But I look at that a little bit more like, oh, you want to try this out? You can pay me $5 for it instead of, you know, getting a free trial sort of thing. Yeah. And I, I think there's value in that. And, you know, I, I thought I think a lot about what Ben from Tuple said a couple months ago about how when they started out, like you had to, I don't know, pay like 500 or or dollars to to have access to it. And people are doing that on their personal credit cards. Oh, I remember that episode. I can't, I couldn't believe that that was actually a thing that people would, were happy to do. I mean, right? that says talks about their, you know, how good their product is, right? Yeah. But I think it, like requires like a little bit of, you know, of buy-in. I'm literally, right? The other thing with this is like it's actually costing you money every time somebody sends these text messages. And I think if you have a side business that is only costing you money, it's not a business, it's a hobby. <laughs> that is what my accountant will tell me. <laughs> At least you have an accountant. That's actually that's, that's in that's theory. I do. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, your hypothetical accountant would tell you that she exists. I have yet to have her do this year's taxes, but oh, I mean last year's taxes. Yes, I know it's June. It's fine. <laughs> um. Well, on it, that note, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I want to go back to something you said. Right? Where, okay. Okay. I do want to make money with this. But I am kind of taking this uh, this approach here where it costs me very little to run unless someone uses the product. And and I want to kind of help and I'm trying to minimize the the possibility that they will stop using the product that they haven't started using yet. So I'm <laughs> uh, but I do want I do want this to succeed. I do want it to make money. I have been learning things while doing it as well, but yeah, that is my goal. My goal is for this to succeed, for people to use it, and for people to be happy using it. But yeah, it's really fresh. It's really fresh right now. Sometimes it's hard to admit that to yourself when you've you don't even have anyone paying for it, right? Like to yeah. to let yourself have the dream. Yeah, it's different from the preschool thing because there I went and found someone that had an existing pain point, really embedded with them, and solved a problem for them. And they were, you know, and they were willing to pay me for it from the very moment that I met them. And here it's a completely different leap of faith of, oh, now I have to market and I have to like tell people this exists and I have to (laughs) convince them why they should give me money instead of some other big established venture funded company. It's work. Yeah. It's like, is it good enough? I mean, I definitely felt that in the beginning of like, you know, somebody says, why would I use you instead of? google maps and we'd be like yeah why why would you like uh no of course and now i you know now i knew why and i actually knew why in the beginning right because our pricing was better our terms of service people could actually store the data like that was better but like the initial reaction was not because our pricing and our terms of service better it was yeah i i really don't know why you would right it was it was like an emotional reaction it was not a reaction based on the reality of the products and the market I'm glad you're past that now. <laughs> I think it's okay that you're there right now. I think that's very common. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. I don't think you're the only one. That makes me feel better. Well, maybe on this note of making Vic feel better, we should wrap up for today. <laughs> if you feel similarly to Vic or you have been there 
I'm sure he would love it if you reached out on Twitter because we do have a wonderful community around this podcast. And speaking of that community around this podcast, I would like to take a moment to thank them. So huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. You can become a supporter for $10 a month or $100 a year at softwaresocial.dev supporters. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin. I don't think I'm ever going to get through that one without uh, almost laughing. So thank you, Kevin. Mike from Gently Used Domains. Dave from Recut Max of Online or Not. Stefan from Talk to Stefan. Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Aaron from Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Remy from Memo.fm, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of CrowdSentry, Nate Ritter of RoomSteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outseti, Justin Jackson of MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Darvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh, the annoyingly pragmatic founder who actually wants me to read that, Ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Kaylee of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lena and Alex from Recapsi. Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Opel Int LLC, Anna from Cradle, Arvid Call, James Sowers of Castaway.fm, Nathan of Develop Your UX, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, and Mitchell Davis from Recruit Kit. Thank you to everyone for supporting our show. And Vic, thank you so much for being on today. If people want to hear more of your build in public updates about Hey Texting or Every Oak or find out more about Every Oak and Hey Texting, where should they go? My Twitter is where I talk about these things. It's at Vic Vijayakumar. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. And I look forward to following your updates. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to how much longer your list of sponsors is going to get in a few months and you needing to read them out loud. <laughs> I I look forward to it as well. It's still kind of surreal that that many people are supporting us. So, all right. Talk to you guys later. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of CrowdSentry, Nate Ritter of RoomSteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outseta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, 
Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Kanbini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.